Hello, Nick. Hey, Tom. How are we doing? And everybody, welcome back to another episode of Divine. Today, we are talking about website interactivity. Uh, so, I am Nick. I am a uh, dev by trade and run a digital agency in Melbourne. And as always, we have Tom as well. Yeah, this is me. Hello. I'm a branding-focused designer, and I'm also in Melbourne. Um, we've, you might have noticed we've scrapped the how was your last week section from our episodes because we just want to get straight into that hot content. So, here is the hot content. So, <laughs> we're talking about website interactions, right? Um, now, I guess there's lots of different types of interactions and whatnot. So, maybe like a, a accurate word to use um, might be more micro interactions. Is that sort of something we're covering a bit more perhaps? Yeah, I, I think in the, the, the research I've done and the thinking I've kind of given to this subject, when I think about micro interactions, for whatever reason, I'm kind of transported to the, the mobile experience a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, and perhaps it's a product of having a much smaller space. Yeah, you have to yeah. like kind of create layers. Um, for sure, for sure. And you can't afford to sort of spell everything out for everybody. Um, and I think that's an interesting point because I think a lot of those micro interactions or those interactions that have been created because of that um, mobile experience have now sort of come back into desktop as well um, mm. when they don't necessarily have to, but it's it, maybe it's part of everybody realizing what they mean now or, you know, following all those sort of same paradigms. Now people understand seeing them on desktop now as well. So, I wonder if that's the thing that's happened. Yeah, I, I think um, it would definitely be feeding back in. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess what I'm interested in talking about, at least first, to start on a positive note, are, are examples or instances where micro interactions are, are done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe we can roll off our sleeves and talk about <laughs> <laughs> the the you know the, the the more painful kind of digital experiences. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... I mean, some of the most basic ones that you'll see are um, field validation. I mean, they're a sort of a requirement almost to let users know what state the interface is in. Um, and they're quite simple. They don't take up much room. They're quite effective, I think. Um, and, you know, I guess that's why they're so pervasive everywhere, right? Like just, just, just a little red box around your input field. Here you go. There's an error. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, like, I think they're great. You know, that, that's and that sort of ticks the boxes for me. Um, and s- some other interesting ones I think are like, uh, the iOS button slideys, how the, the, the skeuomorphic, um, little buttons and the way they sort of animate sideways as you slide them over, you know, and you've got the little green background behind the side of it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and some people might hate that cause it is skeuomorphic, but I think that, that does. What, a, what is, what is skeuomorphic mean? So skeuomorphic is sort of like, um, retaining or like, um, retaining, the design or the the look of something um, based on like what the like the real world example of that is. So like that's skeuomorphic because you know there are buttons in the real world that you sort of slide over physically and they right. reveal like a color behind them, right? And so um, that's skeuomorphic. Or like maybe more specifically, um, when uh, Apple built their Notes application, I think it was, and they made like the background look like a Manila folder. Like that's right. sort of skeuomorphic in the way it represents um, like a physical object almost in a way, almost in a it depends how you use it, but almost in the context of um, it's not necessary anymore. Like you don't need to have that manila folder look in a digital design, right? Because it's not a manila folder basically, um, but you still right. use that to sort of, I guess partly to throw back, but also to help the user sort of feel a bit more at home maybe if they are sort of transitioning to something new. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, so how about you? What are some um, good things that you've seen or? 
kind of even if it's a throwback to something else or or it's a a measure that's in place to um, help the user connect the dots I think good micro interactions um, teach the user kind of how to use an application Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, how to navigate through an experience it's like a little um, almost like a little reward yeah like a a visual reward for um, interacting with the thing in the way that they kind of want you to yeah yeah, Um, yeah. I think a a great example of a super micro interaction but I love it it's um I'm with I'm using UpBank um who are just kind of like a I guess they're, they're targeting kind of millennials yeah are they a co-op as well uh possibly yeah Yeah, possibly yeah they're Um, they're smashing at the moment yeah like super bright orange um -hmm. they're one of the only banks to kind of focus on doing like a really nice print um campaign like when you get your card it's like printed on this really nice stock and so so it's just basically you looked up all the banks and looked at their typefaces and then thought hey this is the nicest one let me choose this bank (laughs) who gives a fuck about the interest rates what's the typeface like (laughs) yeah who's got the best graphic design um but yeah within the the experience they've got a kind of savers thing um where like each transaction rounds up and goes into a savings account but then you can also like on your bank balance just like drag it down Mm -hmm. and like once it gets to a particular point it like launches back up and a little coin like flips over into your (laughs) savings account right right um and i just thought that was such a great micro interaction because you're like you, you, you almost get like a what would it be like a dopamine hit yeah so it's like a gamification angle on it yeah for sure um and i think those are some of the best micro interactions where you want to do it again you know yeah yeah yeah, for sure it got you hooked um yeah so for so that's interesting now because i think that um they can actually be for, at least for me ones that i don't like because they get in the way of the UI and don't right. necessarily add that much maybe information or, or whatever it is. Like, I guess the experience can be kind of fun, but it, to me, it just sort of, um, it takes away a little bit. Like, um, I was reading about, um, you know, when the Facebook came out, I said the Facebook, um, you know, when Facebook came <laughs> yes, out, with, yes, um, the Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> um, when Facebook came out with the, the, all the different like types, like the sad face or the hoagie yeah, one or whatever. Yeah. And you hover yeah. over them and they shake a little bit and like do a little animation. Um, yeah. I actually sort of hate those kind of animations because they're just sort of, I find them really tacky and kind of like, it, I get annoyed at Facebook by being like, hey, stop trying to like make me enjoy this more than I actually do. Because <laughs> let's be honest, it's just some like random post that I'm giving a hug to, but like, let's not celebrate that because like <laughs> yeah. I'm on a social media site and you're trying to stick me around. I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical, but I think you've got good reason to be cynical about that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but also, I'm I yeah, sure. I just... I, I guess the gamification is the, the main point of it, right? Um, but yeah, I, I don't think those sort of things add too much. And, and when, you've, when you've got too many of them, that's probably when it's a problem. I guess for Facebook, it's not too much of a big deal. There's not too much else animated around on the screen. So it's not too bad. Um, but yeah. definitely, if you overdo it on those things and everything has a little movement that does this and does that and there's little animations for everything, I think that can be a bit, um, a bit confusing and just maybe a bit too much. Yeah, I think it poses a, a really interesting question, which is that are these things being baked into the experience to enhance the user experience? Like, mm-hmm. are they user-centered or are they there to get people to spend as much time within this kind of domain as possible? For sure. That's really interesting. And I bet you the answer is the second one. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, 
Well, I mean... <laughs> For Facebook, it, it, at least. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty popular at the moment, this um, Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. It's like you watch that and you just throw your phone in the bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. I watched that. Somebody sent it to me saying, oh, you know, this is really interesting. Have a look. And I was like... Yeah, we've been doing that for the past 10 years when I've been a web dev. Like, they're just taking it pro. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's what mm. we do every day. How do we get more people to buy our crap and how do we get more people to stay on the website? They're just doing it way better than we are. Um, and <laughs> At a I, massive I, scale. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was kind of like, wow, people don't understand that this is happening on a day-to-day basis. Like, that's what, that's what this marketing is now, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit concerning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so... Let's go into like the more technical stuff. So when you're going into design, um, say a website or a web app or whatever, um, do you, where's your process for thinking, hey, let's add a little animation to this or what's the interaction for this? Like where's the planning inspiration come for that sort of design? Yeah, I think in terms of where I'm at with interactions at the moment, I probably am only factoring things in currently that I could code myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next level, which I'm excited to work toward, is where it's more of a conversation with the developer about like, hey, how far can we push this thing? Yeah, um, yeah. And and how much deeper into kind of JavaScript and you know HTML canvases and that kind of wild stuff that mm-hmm. blows my mind. How far into that can we go? Yeah. Um, but yeah, right now it's it's really all about transitions yeah, um, yeah. and fading in and out of. Mm-hmm particular sections and um hover states and really simple hover states yeah so i guess that you'd probably call that what the base of all sort of animations really isn't it just the the standard hover state i think so you know like the stuff that can be a couple of lines in css Mm. and then and then your gravy so when designing that stuff are you how does because i haven't done any of that kind of stuff in figma before can you actually build animation hover states or any uh, other types of animation in figma or yeah and it's amazing and i think it it extends from our um conversation about you know ditching wireframes because of how advanced kind of Uh these um these applications are now it's really quite straightforward to um create these these hover states like you just have like a particular um like base frame of the website Mm -hmm. then you just copy it over and the only thing you change on that other copied frame is like the button Uh and then within there's a prototype menu within figma you have full flexibility to to um choose the kind of timing of how that um, right yeah that transition will fade in like for how many seconds um so it's a great way of testing these things before even um yeah before even getting to that point um but i'm curious to hear do you usually like remix these details toward the end or or have you had conversations with designers where you're talking about like the seconds or like yeah 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 um definitely like you're saying at our stage now we we're not doing any crazy animations that i couldn't do with css and basic javascript we don't really get too much into canvas um for animation's sake i guess um and so most of the things we're doing are quote-unquote tried and tested sort of typical paradigms that have been done before um and that we do every day almost you know they're just um and so to be honest yeah not much detail has come from designers about those kind of things when we develop it we sort of 
I guess, know the best practices or the most common usages and how they need to be and what the context is around them and blah, blah, blah. And just sort of bake it in as we go. Um, yeah. There are times when, you know, when we send it out for a review and then they're like, okay, cool. Like, we kind of like this, but our designers think it's too distracting or we think it's just not relevant or whatever it is, you know. Um, and then we refine it from there. But definitely, um, yeah, to be honest, we don't get too many details. Um, certainly, the important things for us are like... Um, what the end states are. So definitely when we get like a style guide or a design or something, we want to see, you know, what's, what are the buttons? What are the links? What are the hover states for those? Not necessarily the, the actual animation of them, but just, Hey, what's like the end color. And we'll sort of, you know, just CSS transition it boy through. Um, And, and I think, yeah, a lot of the times when we have fun doing animations, it's more actually the client hasn't asked for it or the designers haven't really mentioned it. Maybe we've thrown it around with some ideas, um, you know, during scoping or something like that, but it was never really defined and it's us playing around with SVG animations or some other cool funky stuff that we like just to throw in there for a bit of fun and yes. then see if the client likes it at the end. And I just love see it, SVG animations. They're my boy. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I remember um, when we were sharing workspace, you kind of putting in this Easter egg where, you know, the eyes within a particular owl would follow your cursor around yeah, the page. Yeah, yeah. And is that doing that, am I right in saying it's like, Using Pythagoras's theorem? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, I mean, there's oh lots of libraries God. and stuff to do it, but I'll never... Yeah, I know. There's a use. Yeah, <laughs> honest to God. I remember, I was actually looking through my Instagram story the other day, and I remember a post from like five years ago, and it's a photo of me with a piece of paper and like triangles and Pythagoras and angles or whatever. And the comment was like, who would have thought that like, you know, year 10 methods was actually relevant to anything. I'm actually using it right now for like some animation yeah. stuff. Yeah, so that was pretty funny, but... Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's if you want to do it sort of by yourself and, um, you know, with a bit of JavaScript and whatever, but you know, th- there's lots of libraries to easily do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whether it's worth rewriting the wheel or, um, or, or not, you know, I guess it sort of depends, but yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad that you touched on libraries because I've had an unsuccessful attempt at integrating a, a library, mm-hmm. um, to the point where I was just like, yeah, you know what, this is out of scope anyway. So yeah. let's just keep it as, um, it's in the FDAT column. Y- yeah, exactly. Um, so, could you talk about the process of bringing a library into a kind of, um, into a project? Yeah, yeah. So, I guess, so for me, I always on the, err on the side of like not using libraries where possible. Um, right. I think the reason for that is I've had too many times where I brought a library in and then 85% of the way through it, it's like, okay, this library doesn't have the ability to do that. Okay, let's try and extend it a little bit and customize it. And then you end up down this rabbit hole of like trying to figure out how to use this library, um, you know. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bit stupid in that, but I tend to do that. But then sometimes it's like, okay, there's so much work here to do. What are some great libraries that'll help me with it? Um, yeah. And especially for animation, something I'm not very good at um, from a JavaScript perspective. Um, there are lots of libraries out there. Um, probably... The most common probably the moment that's not sort of baked into um, React or Vue or something like that would be uh, GreenSock. Uh, I know they're really um, popular or that is really popular. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that just because the name's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, like it, it is relatively technical. You know, you've got to look at the documentation and figure out how it all works. And um, I don't know, it's, it's not something to play with lightly, I wouldn't say. Um, definitely sort of understanding the base sort of animations using CSS and 
um, transitions and the um, animation with keyframes is probably like the first things you want to get good at. And then if you ever find a time where you're like, shit, this is just way too complicated and it would take me ages, I could do it, but it would take me ages. Maybe that's when you look at something like Green Sock or look at something um, that's um, on canvas to do some um, animations like that. Yeah. Right. And and keyframes, can you explain a bit more about what that is? Because that strikes me as like perhaps a, 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 the next stepping stone yeah, or the next totally level right. up from... Yeah. Base, basic transitions. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it is the next step. Um, so keyframes essentially just allows you to um, so like what I was talking before about like the start state and the end state of a of a CSS transition. So you've only got an end and a, and a sorry, you've only got a start and an end with a CSS uh, transition animation. Whereas keyframes, you're allowed to or you're able to put in as many different stops as you want um, throughout the the transition. So at the start, you can say, okay, at 0% or at the start, I want to have, you know, this value, uh, this field, this value. And then at 30% of the way through, I want this field, this value. And then at, you know, 92%, this field, this value. So you can sort of say, you can decide all your frames and what states they are. So you can have much more complicated um, transitions and you can you can run them for a minute and have all different stops, you know, along the way um, to do all sorts of different things. Um, or you could have little ones that are repeated. And then when you apply the animation or the keyframes to an element, you can also set some other parameters about how those keyframes run through. Do they go all the way through and then repeat or do they come and then go backwards or is there a delay before they start? Um, so it can get pretty complex, but that's sometimes actually a drawback with those keyframe animations because they're so complex um, that sometimes they're just too hard to manage, especially when you've got a big a keyframe that's you know more than five steps. It's just too complicated. Um, and that's when you probably need to move to something um, that's more JavaScript controlled. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I guess it's, to, speaking of too complex, it, it might be a, a good segue into some instances where it's just a bit of a piss take. <laughs> like, yeah. And what's, I, what's your favorite piss take? Here it is. <laughs> well, to be honest, I think a lot of the, like, I, I, I keep seeing type foundries just like pushing, pushing these experiences so far that the websites are completely unusable <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean i can kind of understand that they're trying to get across the philosophy that like they're super experimental and that they're at the cutting edge of kind of um web innovation but mm-hmm. it's also like kind of arrogant because it's like this is not accessible even for yeah, someone yeah. that's completely able uh-huh, uh-huh. um like imagine if someone had a vision impairment or like for sure any kind of any kind of disability, you would not be able to work through this experience at all. Like, you can't anyway. <laughs> Are we going to name a name and shame it here or? No, I don't okay, think we okay. should because I love, I love the typefaces. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just go to some typeface websites and you'll probably find one. I mean, I'm looking at the one at the moment and it's just, it's just nuts. Like, I, I feel like it is a piss take almost. It's, it surely can't be, you know, it's... It, it does take it too far. But hey, like, that's the point, right? That's art almost in a way. But yeah, it doesn't but mean it, we like it. And, and it doesn't get better. Like, as you start to look, like, if you ever find where the typefaces are, because it's so <laughs> hidden, and you get into one, it'll just start, like, putting a mug over the screen right. as you're scrolling down, or, like, a plastic bag. Like, I feel like now I'm kind of revealing who it is. Um, I was like, are you serious? I just wanted to look at these letters, and you're throwing a plastic bag in my face. <laughs> yeah, so... And and basically, like a lot of that, there's a lot of parallax in here too. There's a lot of um, <laughs> yeah. 
And like, let's not go over Parallax, but it sucks. And there's like, <laughs> I just, I love, I love that I encountered all these articles before this episode that are like, why Parallax needs to die. <laughs> it's like, it's wow, so what did it do to you? Well, it's like, it's, it's, it was one of those things five, 10 years ago where the clients were like, just make it pop, you know, just make, just make it pop. And Parallax yeah, needs- was the answer to that. Needs more parallax. Exactly, hundred percent. And you know, there's only like four websites on the planet where parallax is good. Um, and one of them, I want to shout out. I think I've shouted out before on this podcast, but it's um, it's Firewatch the game, and it actually yeah. uses parallax for the reason that parallax is the thing. Like it actually parallaxes things in the distance, um, and it makes it feel like a three D environment. It's absolutely awesome. Um, it is sick. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, it's one of those things as a developer that you're always going to get because clients love parallax and as much as you don't want to make it then sometimes you're just going to have to make it because that's sometimes the way the world works unfortunately yeah and that that firewatch firewatch parallax is awesome but then i go through their site and it looks like they're using like unstyled times right right for body copy you know Mm. like before you've loaded up styles yeah 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 so what's going on so the trick for that then is just go to the top part of the of the web page and then just leave (laughs) <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Love that um, game though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it. Um, so one of the other things that the, one of those other sites does poorly is scroll jacking. Um, right. So oh. scroll jacking is when like the JavaScript basically takes over your scroll and changes how it how it performs. And usually, is that, it's called scroll jacking. Scroll jacking, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so it's like hijacking your scroll functionality, yeah, basically. Yeah. Right? And and most of the time, it's to sort of cement you into the sections like you know from the hero into the next section and into the next section so it's sort of like sort of smooth scrolls you as you try and move around and it's just absolutely hell and that was certainly a um yeah something you know that um similar to parallax was hey let's make this a little bit more fun but actually like it's really bad for accessibility and um people just don't respond well to it from yeah it's interesting that it can inspire such a you know adverse reaction yeah, it's like going against your nature almost, isn't it? It just yeah, feels like, like something's broken or that. How dare you be so arrogant? <laughs> Tell me where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. no, one, no one likes being told what to do. No, that's right. Um, so one other thing I wanted to bring up was for these little micro-interactions around the site, I think that one of the really key things is consistency and it needs to sort of tie into the brand as well and the information architecture. Like it's all part of how a user, like you were saying before, how a user learns to use something, right? And how they're rewarded by it or how they expect things to to function. And I think those micro interactions really play, play a part in it. And one of the um, organizations that does this really well, I think is Apple because they release new operating systems um, on their phones especially. And there's there's not much like how-to really it's just you like see things and try and play with them. And then quite a lot of the time you're like, oh, that's exactly sort of how I expected this little piece to act. And then because it's happened there, then you might try that gesture or that action somewhere else in the operating system and it works there as well. So it's, I think it's, it's really important to have that sort of cohesive feel for them all. Mm, it isn't. It's, it's what I found interesting as you started to lead into this was that it's part of a brand, you know, mm-hmm. so there's almost like set, animation styles that are part of the brand identity um and just on apple like the current like volume up and lock screen Mm. taking a screenshot yeah is criminal the amount of screenshots i've taken (laughs) just like unintentionally yeah yeah 
Like, I can't be up to the 11th version of this thing and they're still doing shit like that. <laughs> well, hey, at least we've got the um, the volume control, like, only on the left now. That little, the, you know, not yep. overtaking in the front. Like always, say, so progress, back, Steve. <laughs> cool, man. Um, I reckon that might be a, a nice, nice yeah. point to leave it at. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, and reach out to us if, if there's anything that you want us to talk about um, or anything in the episode that you're enjoying or that you'd like to see changed up because ultimately we're doing this for you. Yep, and you can also uh, see an archive of the episodes and um, some content about them and any uh, resources we have on divine.tech, D-V-I-G-N.tech. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.